Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your Calcio to go. I'm Frank Cravello, he's Richard Carmen. Ciao Richard. Ciao Frank, how are we doing this evening? We are bracing for a winter storm here oh. in Wisconsin. We don't uh, have winter this uh, winter. <laughs> Most people haven't. Yeah. Uh, my kids are already, their school's already closed tomorrow and wow. my wife is staying home from work tomorrow. And she's trying to talk me into staying home and working from home. Um, well, I'm just like, well, if you're here, I'm going to work. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't want to try to do my job amid the chaos of everybody in the house and yeah. all that other stuff. So, plus, I think she'll just get mad at me because I won't really be, I don't know how much work I'll get done. I'll have on Europa League games and whatnot. So, But you are still married, as am I, because we didn't do our podcast on Tuesday like we normally do. Correct. Correct. Valentine's, uh, Valentine's Day. Yes, Valentine's Day. So we couldn't, you know, we didn't want to get the wives upset. And of course, Sunday night was Super Bowl. So, yeah, a really good uh, game. You know, and yeah, it ended up being a good Super Bowl. So, thoughts? Up, uh, your What are your thoughts on the Super Bowl overall as a collective? <laughs> I thought, I thought it was a good. I thought it was a well played game. I thought that Philly's game plan was outstanding, um, you know, and uh, it was. Uh, but you don't bring field goals to a touchdown fight when you're playing the Chiefs, <laughs> and yeah. to have a couple of drives stalled and to be in a situation where they had to settle for field goals probably. Uh, you know, was part was part of it, and then their defense suddenly couldn't stop the Chiefs. Um, I the, the guys on NFL Radio, one guy I think it was Rich Gannon said the two biggest plays of that game were the Chiefs' fumble return for a touchdown yeah. in the first half, and then Kadarius Tony's punt return. Mm. Um, you know, were probably the two most important plays of the game. Because I mean, when you think about it, I mean that the Eagles were driving and were up. I want to say they're up 17 to seven or no, no, it was 14, seven. And then the seven. chiefs came back and tied. Yeah. They drive and make that a two. That's a huge 14 point swing. We're probably talking about like 24, seven, 27, seven at halftime in favor of the Eagles. And th that game, you know, and sure the chiefs would make a big comeback, but you'd, you'd have to, you'd have to think the Eagles would go on and win the game. So, yeah. um, but you know, turnovers are important. Turnovers are huge, huge in that sport, I guess we're giving commentary on, non-calcio stuff so. yeah yeah i What'd thought the game think? was yeah i thought the game was great uh the game was absolutely great i think the halftime show was lacking i love rihanna i love her music but i thought it was lacking so uh, we, we, we 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 um we we switched it we put on what did we watch we watched um my my, my kids get a kick out of the uh family feud like the funny family feud clips yeah. with steve harvey so yeah. we just put in a bunch of those so i also thought the commercials were lacking they weren't funny at all uh and my my biggest gripe with the commercials really oh uh, the commercials sucked yeah no my biggest gripe was the propaganda really honestly because it was it was propaganda about the military propaganda about the politics and propaganda about religion um mm -hmm. and really I, I made some comments too like like I'm 100% for the military. I, I believe in the military guys. I, I believe in our boys and girls out there. Uh, but I think they the propaganda on it was, it was so oversaturated, it diminishes what they are about. And people 
overlook them because there's so much propaganda about it. People are just like, oh, whatever. And it's like, it does a disservice to them, honestly. That's why that's my biggest gripe is all that propaganda stuff. And I'm like, get up, let's just see funny commercials. We just have none of them. I'm like, let's get to the game. The game was the best part. And the game was fantastic. I mean, it was high scoring like we, we were hoping for. And uh, overall, I would say it was a good, good, good Super Bowl experience. So Yeah. Yeah, I you know, and those are some interesting, those are some interesting comments from you on you know. I just found the super, I just found the commercials to be not funny, and I'm looking for something to laugh at. And, yeah, they weren't, and I didn't find a single one funny, um, or at least funny enough. And it's just kind of like maybe I'm just getting old, and maybe what I think is funny and what it is is just way different than even ten years ago. Segway so, though, segue though, you know what is funny. Is all those Milanisti that wrote off Milan heading into this weekend, and now they're back. <laughs> You'd think I'd be sweating from all the victory laps I've <laughs> run over the last couple of weeks. I mean these these idiots. I'm so I, and I'm sorry. I, I, I'm just going to flat out call him because I had one guy trolling me on Twitter every time Milan lost, and he would you don't even troll me with. He would troll me with a screenshot that I sent him of when Milan won six out of eight back in October, like before the World Cup. And because he was, you know, because I think he said something about 90 days. This has been bad for 90 days. And then I sent him that screenshot where they won six out of eight in all comps. And I said, well, this is this is part of your 90 days, just so you're aware. So, um, you know, and then he just came back and is like, and I, I told him, I said, you must be tough to impress. And he came back and every time they lost, he wanted to stick it to me. And it's just kind of like I haven't heard from him in a couple of weeks all of a sudden. So it's just like, <laughs> right. I, I think I called him an idiot and I said, I'm not, I'm really not worth, the, I'm really not worth the trolling that you're doing. <laughs> so I concur. <laughs> I, I, I consider myself to be the last person on this planet to be trolled uh, uh, by anyone. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I guess I should stop with my burner account. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if it was you. So. Um, we want to thank you, by the way, Richard, for your donation of uh, Malik Chow to Milan, as, <laughs> yeah, as Anthony yeah. puts it. About damn time you got to play. Yeah. So, oh man. So we we've got a pretty packed show tonight. We're going to talk about the uh, Champions League kicking back off with Milan, uh, getting Serie A off to a good start. In particular, EPL's having a bad week. Um, just putting that out there, your your arch your arch your arch nemesis Borussia Dortmund beating Chelsea today. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'll I'll just leave out the fact that I tell you when I do watch Bundesliga, I I probably enjoy watching Borussia Dortmund more than anybody. Just Ugh. I know you don't yeah. like hearing that, but, I know, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, not 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 to see you suffer, just because I think they're I think the way they play is entertaining. So. Um, but anyway, uh, so Milan winning over Tottenham. We'll uh, preview the Europa and Conference League games because we got four Serie A teams in action tomorrow. Yeah, uh, so we'll have to dive into that. We'll maybe tap into a little of the of what to expect with Napoli at Eintracht Frankfurt and Inter hosting Porto uh, in next week's Champions League games as well. Uh, so, but Richard, let's lead off and take it away, man. Uh, Milan and Tottenham uh, first leg UEFA Champions League. Yeah, two teams really, um, you know, when, when the draws came out, both teams were in pretty decent form, and it was, people were salivating at this prospect of this match. It's Conte versus Milan. It's, you know, the talented Tottenham team with Harry Kane and, and, and Son versus, you know, Milan, Milan's defense and, 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 you know, guys like Leao and Giroud. Um, 
but both teams have been faltering as of 2023. Really, both teams really struggling. Milan obviously dropping in the standings uh, in Serie A. Tottenham not really making a push for, for the top four, or at least their, their, their chances have been stalled. Uh, so this game is really a, a chance to see one of these teams maybe, maybe come out of their, their slump. Uh, Milan had a little bit of improvement leading up to this uh, two games prior in uh, Serie A. Uh, but you know, you never know with Champions League. It could have also been a very, very dull affair. Uh, but what we saw is uh, a game where um, Champions League DNA kind of played a part in this. Uh, looking at you know Milan, they came out with a, a three-four-three. Kind of we seen we saw this in the um, games leading up to it, where they're kind of testing things. But the big thing I think was Salamakers back on the right wing side. I think he's been a revelation in terms of much improved performance over Calabria, who's been on the right hand side. Uh, Teo's kind of relieved of his defensive responsibilities because he's more in that midfield wingback role. Uh, and Malik Chow, he's inserted into the back three along with uh, Kiara and Kalulu. Uh, people are wondering, A, would he would Pioli put someone in, in the back in there, someone other than Gabia? He, he did. And two, how would Chow, you know, how would Chow, you know, fare in this? And we saw both were ex- exclamation marks, like fantastic job by Malik Chow, probably the best defender in the game for Milan. Um, and uh, Milan early goal uh, through Ibrahim Diaz. Um, you know, Forster did make some great saves, two saves on uh, one or two saves on on Diaz. But you know, Diaz persistent and 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 ran home the rebound in there, got the goal early goal, and that's really all Milan would need. Um, Tottenham really didn't threaten Milan in this game. I thought we saw is Milan play very defensive, very uh, stout defensively, and really didn't allow Tottenham to create any chances. Tatarasano wasn't really didn't have to come up big. We, we, the big worry was it's two backup goalkeepers, but if you had to rate them, it's forces much better than Tatarasano. And Tatarasano, you know, we'd have to worry about him because the defense was pretty good. Uh and as so overall I think uh, Milan get a lot of credit. They they kind of took chokehold of the second second half of that game and really sort of uh, squeezing the the possession away from Tottenham. And so a solid victory. I mean both teams are okay going to the second leg. Right, it's one one goal down for Tottenham, and Milan's got an advantage. But Milan do have the advantage, and the way these teams are playing at the moment, anything is is a good thing at the moment. So, um, good first leg, good kickoff for City uh, for Milan uh, to get the get the victory in this one. So, what do you want to get? Where do you want to start with this? Um, let's start with Brian Diaz for proving me wrong. Um, the physicality of Premier League teams, I thought that he was probably. The one who is this dietary BR, by the way? Nah, just ignore oh. it. Oh, is that a? Oh, is that just a? Is that a bot? Ignore it, Frank. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. All right, we're gonna ignore it. Okay, so, um, anyway, so let me get uh, let me come back to Brian Diaz. The physicality of the Premier League. Um, I thought. And, and after after the game against Torino on Friday, mm-hmm. um, I just thought, man, Brian's going to get the shit kicked out of him in this game. I mean, just between whether he runs into Longley or whether he runs into or he deals with Papi Sar, uh, you know, a little bit of Perisic and some of the spaces that he's going to run into. But I thought, you know, he actually performed admirably. He, he You know, the, the persistence, obviously, with the goal. But I thought there were some other dangerous running that he did, some passing, some creativity, I thought. Um, you know, if, if a player needed to – an example of a player that needed to score early, it was him. Okay, so because 
it gives you that, hey, I can play against these guys. And he he had that translate and he turned in a solid uh he turned in a relatively solid performance. Um I thought that uh, Salamakers was very good in neutralizing Petisic. We've always been worried about Petisic when he was with Inter. Um, playing against Milan and being a danger man and creating some problems. So uh, I thought that was um, – I thought we had a good performance from him. Um, Malik Chow, I mean, what else can you – I mean, two starts and two excellent performances. Uh, I mean, the combination – you could flip a coin between him and Simon, Simon Kiar over who should be man of the match in this game, and I wouldn't have an argument for – I wouldn't have an argument if you picked either one. Kiar, bounce back, um, huge bounce back game. Yeah, I thought that he played with maturity. He led the lot. He led the defense mature with with some with the maturity and the experience that that befits him. Um, and uh, you know, I, they they kept Harry Kane quiet. And they kept Hyungmin Son relatively quiet. They kept Tottenham as an attack pretty yeah. quiet. I mean, they were at their most dangerous uh, when they were in offside positions. That was their most dangerous chances where they were offside. You so, could argue Kalulu pocketed Son, Kiar pocketed Kane, and, and Kulishevsky was pocketed by Chow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a fantastic uh it was a fantastic display. Couple things that I will um couple things that I will just to nitpick, um, you know, right now. Uh Giroud. These last handful of I I've I've seen more technical errors and, and 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 misjudgments with runs off the ball from him in these last couple of weeks that I've seen maybe in the last three to five years of watching him play. Yeah. Um, that is concerning. It could be there. And there's, there's a number of factors here. World it Cup could rust? be world cup rust, fatigue, hangover, whatever. Yeah. Having the hardest time adapting to this new, new formation. Um, you know, the off the ball runs and some of those things might be a little bit different. Uh, and it just, just taking some getting used to, there isn't a, there isn't a 10 directly behind him to link off of him. Although Brian kind of comes into those spaces a little bit. Uh, but, um, that's mildly concerning. And then just Milan going forward altogether is mildly concerning. Now I understand that this is a, this is a progression with this change in formation and and where do you want to be good first? You want to be good defensively. You want to keep teams out. Okay. Um, And in three games since going to the three man defense, Milan have conceded one goal and it was on a corner. Um, And those teams were Inter, Torino and Tottenham. They're not pushovers. No. Okay. So I, the, the attack has to get better and I anticipate that the attack will get better, you know, as they, as they continue to play in this formation. I think we said after the Derby, they have to play like this. They have to set themselves up like this because the benefits to what's going on defensively here is that the chances that opponents are taking on Milan's defense. Okay. There's still maybe 12 to 15 shots a game that the other team is taking, but those shots are much more predictable. Okay. Uh, those shots are a lot easy. Those have be, those shots have become a lot easier for Tatra Sanu to read. Yeah. Um, so there's so the quality, you know, so the quality of the defending is radically improved. They've set themselves up to make opponents predictable, and that's made the job easier for Tatra Sanu. Okay. 
Um, we said it before a few weeks ago. You can't play the same way with Tatrasanu in goal that you do with Mainan in goal. You're just mm-hmm. going to leak goals. Okay. Um, you know, for reasons beyond Tatrasanu's playing ability as a goalkeeper, it's the confidence level of the defenders in front of him, um, you know, to be able to do different things and so on and so forth. So that's what I would say here. And I actually thought Rafael Leal was very good. Um, he still is trying too many tricks, though. Also, like you were talking about the technical issues with um, Giroud. Every other play by Leao is uh, something between his legs or behind the back or something crazy. And yeah, he's getting better and he's played. He played well, but a, a lot of unforced errors, I thought, by him uh, in this game. I thought he had a he, he did a nice job of finding space with the ball. Yep. Um, so good on the ball. The finished product wasn't there. Correct. You know, and I think that that's where we'll be critical of him. So. Uh, you know, to that point. Um, and that's the, and the other thing to complain about here any two legged tie, you're, you're anything that's close to a full chance, you've got to score. And there were two chances there late in the game one from Leal, one from CDK, that this could have been put away already going back to London. So, or potentially. Malik Chow as well. Malik Chow had a, a, a header as well that he missed. Yes, that he just put wide in the first half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, or was that second half? That was second, second half. half. Second half. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and so I think overall it was it was a solid performance for for sure. Defensively, we were fantastic. I thought, um, you know, with, with the prospect of possibly having Magnon back for the for the second leg, it's gonna be a huge boost, right? Already, and obviously, probably Loris is gonna be back as well. But um, uh, Magnon, Benacer, Tamori should all be back. Yeah, yeah. Then you gotta, so. you know, if these if this back three continues to play the way they're playing. And you got a question. Do you bring Tamori in or just leave him as it is, right? That's a good question to have uh, if you're Pioli. But I think, you know, what we saw in this game, and I'm curious on your thoughts. You know, I, I mentioned that after the game that what we saw from Lake Chow was that, one, A, he finally gave him trust and he showed you what he can bring. You know, people want to say, he, oh, he just came from the second division, a second division, you know, German team. Um to an extent, yes, but he played in the Bundesliga before. He's played against Dortmund. He's played against Bayern. He's played in these big games before, so he has experience. Um Besides that, uh, well, we start from CDK. I think CDK is improving ever so slightly every game. Um, I think we're talking. I was talking. I was talking to a couple people after the game, and he's he has that Kaká elegance to, to him. He's not there yet. He's not by. He's very raw, but he has an elegance in him where he makes his passes and and he's holding the ball very well. He's strong. He has the vision. Well, there's one play in the game in the second half where he makes a run. If Messias feeds him, he's gone on a breakaway and maybe a two on one, maybe one on one on oh against the goalkeeper. Messias misses the pass, but I think CDK is improving. I'd like to see more of Adley, Vrank, some of these other youngsters give these, you know, give these older guys a, a rest uh, and see what they can do. They're talented. Yes, I know Pioli loves to bring these guys on slowly, it's worked in the past, but. Where team is, you know, a little instable at the moment. Maybe these youngsters can help rejuvenate them as Malik Chow has. Maybe CDK will with a full 90 or a Vrank or Adley or some of these guys. Eduardo, we're going to talk about all 20 teams, man. I know, but, you know, we're just, we're, the, Milan's grabbing the headlines for the, for the win here in the Champions League. That's, that's just the nature of it. If it was Inter, we'd be talking a lot about Inter right now. So, but, uh, oh, we'll get to Inter. Yeah, we will get to Inter. Don't you worry. Um, cause, uh, let me read Malik Chow statistically. Three interceptions, seven tackles, um, eight of a possible 12 ground duels won, and one air, one out of a possible one aerial duel won. Um, uh, 
as far as defensive statistics, a couple of clearances, a couple a couple of clearances, and he also blocked a shot in the course of the game. Hmm. Uh, relatively accurate with his passing. I think we'd like to see that. I think we'd like to see that get better. I mean, as a defender, when you're in possession, seventy-seven point six percent is a little low. Um, you know, eight eight of those eight long balls, one was accurate. So that a lot of that had to, a lot of that was factored into those numbers. So, you know, when you're just looking at it, but I mean, you look at the defensive aspect of it, and I had somebody um, somebody in the chat. Uh, you know, from a uh, from the fantasy sort from Run Pure Run Pure Sports, um, on the soccer page on there in there on the Discord, just flat out they said Malik Chow is a stud. You know, and I said, yeah, this is his second straight excellent performance, um, and I think he's probably earned a, earned the right to start every game. So I think it's the third game he's been in the shutout with two this season that he's played two in the league and one in the in the in Champions League and all three shutouts. He's he's Milan's uh, Nico Casale, I guess, because Casale <laughs> was involved in a lot of shutouts for a lot of clean sheets for uh, lots. Casale so. is good. Casale is yep. good. Yep. Um, but I think the the, the the broader thing that I think we you know, the broader picture here the 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 you know the 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 player the person that we probably have to give a ton of credit to here is Stefano Pioli. Yep. Um, you you you. If this was Marco Giampaolo, if this was Maurizio Sarri, if this was um, managers that don't like to deviate from the way they do things, mm-hmm. Inter would have won three or four nil in the derby. Uh, Torino would have probably upset Milan, uh, and Spurs are taking a two nil lead back to London in all likelihood. Yeah. Okay. The willingness to adapt. And the willingness to go to you, I mean, it takes it, it, it takes a need to just swallow your pride and say, hey, if we're going to win games with the situation that we're in, we've got to do something different. And to take that chance and to take a chance with this system, the last couple of games, bringing in Malik Chow, um, you know, uh, and and going to a 3-4-2-1, some people say, say, say it might be a 3 Three, four, one, two—you know, whatever you want to call it—and um, discovering some things, and then, you know, saying to Davide Calabria, "You're, you're just not in form. You're going to have to sit." Um, you know, and making bold decisions like that. Davide Calabria is the team captain, isn't he? Yes. You just told the team, "You're going to have to sit. You're out of form. I can't play you." Probably so. I mean, how many managers stick with their captain? You know, even yeah. in difficult times. Um, so to make these changes, uh, in the middle of the season is that is the mark of an intelligent manager. We talked about how Gasparini has really changed the way Atalanta played. Um, but, uh, Eduardo saying three, Pioli addressed the defensive issues, maybe not the best way, but still only three goals conceded in the last three to four games, I think. Well, they've only given up one in the last three games in all comps, and that was the corner that they conceded to enter. So in the run of play over the last 270 minutes, they haven't conceded a goal. So so there's a little bit of swallowing your pride and adapting and and, and making those necessary changes and putting in something that works. And before the changes, that's when they gave up the five goals against Sassuolo, four against Lazio, exactly. three against Inter Copa, Super Copa. So, yeah. Exactly. The changes 
necessary or necessary and only one goal has been given up since which uh Pioli deserves a lot of credit as as you say um he there- again with his back against the wall came up big at least so far right the last time his back against the wall Milan went on a 20 some game unbeaten streak right uh, i don't know if that's going to happen again maybe but Pioli has found a way to adapt which he did before and it's worked so let's see how he uh, continues from there but this is a great start to his uh to this little run here, Milan needed because they were they were struggling mightily. And now you don't have to win. You don't you you don't have to win in London. You better not lose. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you don't have to win in London, and they've set themselves up for that. So that's that's a positive. And I see them going to Tottenham and getting a draw and getting through to the last eight. I think that game ends in a draw, yeah. um, which would give Milan the win on aggregate. So, yeah. uh, so that's that that's good. Um, before we get into the Europa and Conference League games, um, I could have swore I saw on Tuesday that Micah Richards fancies Napoli to win the Champions League. Bold statement. Um, it's not that out. That's not that crazy when you think about some of the teams that are around. PSG, they're probably going to go out to Bayern, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, as talented as they are. Chelsea may go out to Dortmund. Um, Real Madrid, obviously, is the big fish. Uh, in this whole thing that you got to worry about man city as well there's some other dark horses in there as well you can even throw inter in there to an extent um but napoli is playing as well as anybody in europe dare i say the world why not why not they have to be now they, they gotta have some big tests right you're playing frankfurt who is a europa league winner they gotta got and then depends who they get and the, how the draw is right but it's not that crazy to me i mean what are your thoughts i don't think it's that crazy I really beginning don't. Of the season, if you said that at the beginning of the season before any games played, I would have called them nuts. Yeah. But right now, it's not that bad. It's one of the top three teams in, in Europe right now. So that's that's a fair shout. I mean, you start with what's in front of them. It's it's Eintracht Frankfurt, who you think they should be able to dispatch. Should. Um, you know, certainly Frankfurt have some players that you're going to have to be careful of. Daichi come out as a talented midfield player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kolomwani's having an excellent season as a striker. He's fantastic. Um, you know, so there's definitely some danger play, danger people. Sabrina, good to see you. So Kyle's in the house. Eduardo, good to see you guys. Hey, if you're if you're watching, get in the chat, check in with us. Um, so I don't think it's that far out of the question. And here's another thing that I'll tell you: I look at the remaining 16 teams in this tournament, and you tell me who's really the favorite. You know, when on, on on form, Manchester City's probably starting to come around. On form, yeah, it's it, Napoli's probably the best in form. If you're talking about pedigree and teams, I'll be de- worried about it's always Real Madrid, especially yeah. Carlo Ancelotti. It's got to be Real Madrid, but yeah. Man City has hasn't really proven it yet in the Champions League yet, and some of these other teams as well. So why not Napoli? Yeah, I mean, so. Liverpool may or may not be figuring out their issues. Um, they added Gakpo, and they're trying to figure out. They they're trying to figure themselves out. Real Madrid, yeah, I mean, the the pedigree of them, the experience of their team, Ancelotti as manager. I mean, everything going for them to go ahead and go ahead and and, and win this. Manchester City is the most probably the most talented yeah. of the teams left. Uh, scary. from from goalkeeper out goalkeeper up to forward. Um, Leipzig, you're not too concerned about. Inter Porto, you're not too concerned about in terms of this competition. 
And here's other here's some other things that Napoli have going for them. They have a 15 point lead in Serie A. You know they can afford, and and certainly they're going to want to win their Serie A games and keep their keep their gap. Yeah, but they can afford to mix it up a little bit with some of their league games. They have some margin for error here down the stretch in Serie A, where they can make Champions League a priority. That's one thing they got going for. Another thing that I've thought long and hard about, and I want to get your take on this. A lot of these teams bringing back players from deep World Cup runs, relatively deep World Cup runs. Yeah. Um, and you're talking about in a summer World Cup, okay, you leave your club, you go play for your country, all right? You go, and, and regardless of where you end up, when are these guys back with their club teams? Usually three to four weeks after the clubs have gotten everybody else back to start preseason training. They get a long holiday. They get to detach. They get to take their time off and all that other stuff. This World Cup, all these guys had to go right back to their clubs. Yeah, I mean, there was hardly – there wasn't many teams that had much as far as a break. Um, I think Milan let Teo and, Teo and uh, Giroud rejoin – yeah, the French them. and Argentine players had a little bit longer layoff because they were in the finals, but everybody else was back immediately. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't like what you get in a summer World Cup. No, it was like a week off. <laughs> you know, so some of these guys they get to take a short break and then they got to turn around and they got to come back. And you look at a, you know, you you look at Napoli. I mean, how many of their players really had to do that, right? Yeah. I mean, Alcimen wasn't there. Vadetskalia wasn't there. Lozano was there, but was out after the first round. Yeah. Um. Minter so, came was back quickly. Yep. Peter Zelensky and 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 it was there. Lapotko was no, he never went. Agisa. Yep. Yep. Are you re? <laughs> yep. And 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 Napoli might be the least affected team out of the the least attack, the least affected team as far as World Cup hangover. You may make a case that Milan should probably also be that as well. And it's, Eduardo says no Coppa Italia to worry about either. Right. Right. I mean, bounced by Cremonese of all teams. Yeah. They so, got revenge this weekend, but you know. <laughs> they did. They got the revenge. So so that's another thing to, you know, th- th- that's another thing to factor. Do you think that some of the, because you're looking at, you know, you're looking at Liverpool struggling. You're looking at Chelsea struggling. You're looking at all these teams across Europe that are struggling. And you're wondering, you know, it, coming back so quickly from the World Cup, that might be having a, a big impact on a lot of their key players. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a, a huge impact for most teams outside of Napoli. I mean, Napoli did have players in the World Cup, like you said, but they were back fairly quickly, and so I think that'll certainly be an advantage. I think what we're going to find out, though, <clears throat> even with this 15-point gap, is we've been we we as in Calcio Twitter have been boasting about Napoli's depth. They're one of the be- most depth in, uh, depth team in the league, but it'll be tested because you got you know playing every three days you know, in meaningful games, right? Champions League and um, City A. Yes, they got a 15-point gap, but they're going to want to keep their running, like you said. And so we'll see what kind of rotation Spalletti. This is where Spalletti is going to really have to tinker and and be smart about this. You don't want to rotate everybody because you could, you know, change that run that you're on, but you mm-hmm. also don't want to burn people out like Sadi's done in the past with Lazio where, or with, with Napoli when they, when they were so close against Juventus. Um, and and run everyone ragged. You don't want to do that either. So he's have to. He's gonna have to be careful here. He's gonna have to really be the one we focus on in on here down the stretch when they play this three games every three days because that'll be the big factor here. I think Napoli should 
be focusing more on the Champions League at the moment, at least when the games are going on, while that's while they're spread out. Um, and then maybe take a little break on, on City A, a little break, I say, but that's what you know, rotation a little bit. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, the depth will be tested, but having those guys fresh, so to say, from the World Cup is gonna help immense. Yep. Their tie with Frankfurt coming up. Um I'll give you my you 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 obviously watch a fair amount of Bundesliga. I'll give you what I see happening here. I mean, as far as Frank as far as Frankfurt and just kind of the scouting report, I think there's enough for Frankfurt just enough to give Napoli some discomfort. But I think Napoli overall will win this over two ties. They've got yeah. technical quality with players like Kamada and Gutze. Um, they've got a striker who's been in really good form this year in in uh, in Kolomwani. Yeah. Um, they have pace in Knauf, if they want to use him, a Dortmund Loney. Um, Lindstrom's talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then good they've got too. they what's that? He's got a good shot too. Yes. And they've got a they've got some physicality in defense, mainly in Dika, who can yeah, who can get in there and 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 give Ossiman a little bit of trouble. I think this is a field day for Kvaratskhelia uh, against them. Uh, and if, and I think that this is a tie where I think Zielinski is going to be really, really good yeah. um, or has the chance to be really, really good. What are your thoughts? I agree. I, I agree with that. I think um, the first leg at Frankfurt is going to be the big one because Frankfurt are good at home. And that crowd gets behind you, uh, behind them, I should say. They are they're very difficult to be. It's a difficult place to play, but Napoli certainly can do that. I think Havrashele, to your point, he's going to push Lindstrom. Lindstrom is the guy who's going to kind of kickstart that offense coming down that right wing side uh, when he plays on the right wing side, and um, and whoever's whoever whoever plays on the right wing side, he's going to want to pin them back and not let them get forward. Because if they get forward, he's going to have a field day going all day trying to you know go one on one against whoever and try to set up Osimhen or himself or or Lozano or Politano whoever's whoever's up there with him. Um, so I, I think of the two legs, it's going to be close in the first leg. You may even look at a score draw, uh, but that's all Napoli's going to need when they go home. I think it's going to be uh, a field day for them, considering if we're still in the same, everyone's healthy, you know, both teams, uh, and, and they're, they're still in the same form. I, I, I fully think Napoli should be able to walk out of this after the second leg. First leg is going to be tough. It, it absolutely is. Frankfurt is not an easy place to go to by any stretch. Okay. But we think not, Napoli go through. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Inter and Porto. I, I think, and Eduardo, we're going to talk about your Inter boys. So, so have a listen. Here's here's the, here here are the guys at Porto. First of all, Diogo Costa is having an excellent campaign, at least on the Champions League side, in goal uh, mm-hmm. for Porto, and a and a and a a critical component for why Porto qualified um, in a group that uh, Atletico Madrid won and Bruges came second. Um, was it Atletico Madrid that won the group? No, it wasn't Atletico Madrid. No. Group. Sorry. Uh, Porto won the group. Bruges came second, and it, but it had Atletico Madrid in it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I'm trying to remember who the other, oh, Leverkusen was the other team in that group. Um, so forgive me. I, I did imagine that Atletico Madrid couldn't qualify from that group. I um, they have a goal scoring striker in Mehdi Taremi. Good one. Um, they've got midfielders that I think can rival Inter's midfielders: Otavio, Estacio, um, Uribe, uh, 
are, you know, where I think Inter have the edge um, is for all of his experience and all of his savvy, Pepe is still an old man if they play him back there. A red card waiting to happen. Yes. And I think the other defender that is, I think it's David Carmo that would play alongside him, who's a taller guy, more of a target. If Lataro can find, Lataro should not have trouble finding space against the center back pairing for Porto and can make himself pretty dangerous. And I think he is the narrow difference in why Inter could go through. Yeah. I mean, um, Porto. I'm, I'm, I'm clearly not putting myself out there with that take. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, this Porto team is hot. They're what, five, six games in a row now, one at least. Uh, they're very good. They're very good at home. They're very good in the league, in their own league, and they're very good in, in Champions League as well. Um, they've always been a team that's been d- difficult. Conte Sao, their manager, he is a fantastic manager. He, I dare say he may be, an, he may be the advantage over Inzaghi in European play. Not necessarily league play, but even then you could argue that with with how they play. But um, Contestao is a very good manager. He's going to have these boys ready. And the midfield is going to be pretty even, I think. I think they need, Inter need to have a, a healthy Brozovic. Varela doesn't have to be on his game as he normally is. Chalinolo doesn't have to come up big. I think um, Chalinolo played very well this weekend. Um, they're going to rely on his set pieces. I think, though, I agree with you. I think the defenders is where Porto can be had. Pepe is a red card waiting to happen. I don't really trust the other two other two defenders that they have, uh, Zaidu and, and, and the fellow you mentioned. I think Jeko, if, if Lautaro or Lautaro, Lukaku was in form back the two years ago form, he would be feasting on, on, on this defense. And he's not there. Jeko, though, can do that. He can irritate Pepe enough that he's going to throw him off his game if he if he plays. Um, and like you mentioned, Lautaro is going to have then the gamut to do what he wants and set people up. Um, and looking for runs by Barella on the back end or uh, maybe Chalnolo as well. I think this is going to be a tight affair. The, f- the first leg is going to be crucial for, for Inter. It's going to be at home. They're going to have to get the job done. They have to get at least a goal vi- goal lead going into Porto because going to Porto is a – I mean, I said Frankfurt was difficult. Porto is – any any of, the, any of the Portuguese teams are difficult to play. The fans are immense. I mean, they pack those stadiums unbelievably. And so – if Inter has a chance to go through in this group, which I think they can, uh, they have to get it done in San Siro. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. They cannot go as a draw. They cannot go down a goal. They have to go up, give themselves the advantage, go to Porto. The Porto has to play kind of out of their shell a little bit, uh, so to speak. And then hopefully they'll be exposed. That Inter can take advantage of that. And, you know, Inter only have to get a draw at that point if they, if they get a victory in the first leg. So Inter, Inter certainly are capable. The defense is the weak point, like you like you mentioned, and I think Inter are absolutely capable of getting a victory in the first leg and both legs. Um, twenty one match unbeaten run in all competitions for Porto. Uh, last loss to Benfica in league play uh, back in November, either November or end of October. So it has been a long time since Porto tasted defeat. Um, so Eduardo says his concern is that Latara missed so much on Monday that he is back to his scoreless streak. And it'll just kind of cheat ahead a little bit. Inter and Sampdoria were nil-nil. So the, what I'll say to you about that, Eduardo, is I don't like Latara Martinez in environments where Inter have a lot of the ball because they don't think the space is there for him. Now, I think against Porto, I think Inzaghi will set his, set his team up to let Porto have the ball. And they will and, want it. 
Marcano's yeah, and they will want it. Yeah. And Marcano also plays back there with Pepe, but not a defender that you have to be terribly frightened of. Right. <clears throat> um, you know, whether it's him or Carmo and then Pepe or Carmo and Marcano too, if they just decide we can't we can't Pepe is going to be on an island, they're going to counter and, and that sort of thing. And that's something Conceição should think about. Yeah. Um, but I can see Inter on the counter against these guys uh, where there's space for Lotaro to go ahead and attack and get behind where it's where it's Lotaro and, and Jekko or Lotaro, even Lukaku against the, the center back pairing for Porto, whatever it may be. So um, Inter are also a good cup team. They ran Liverpool close last season. I think these are two and two game environments where Inter are going to have less of the ball, and that is going to suit them. Absolutely. Um, you know, as we dive into this, now you just have to be careful with the chances that you let Porto have. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can force shots from midfield, then Onana is going to have a very comfortable two games. Um, if you're allowing crosses where um, Toremi's lurking in the box and is unaccounted for, then you're going to start to have some problems. So um, <clears throat> I, I think Inter will, I think Inter will edge it, yeah. but to your point, they have to win at San Siro in the first leg. Yeah. If they take any other result back to Portugal, they're out. I don't see them because I don't see them being able to go to Porto and reversing it. I'm not as concerned with Lautaro. We, we mean numerous statements on the show for over the years about Lautaro's streakiness. When he's hot, he's hot. When he's off, he's off. Um, mm. I'm not ready to say he's on his cold streak again. I mean, he's he's had a fantastic, you know, World Cup. Oh, I said prior pre pre World Cup, and then coming out of the World Cup, he's been hot ever since in 2023. Yeah, he has one game, but I mean, nobody scored in that game against Sampdoria, right? Um, I'm not gonna say he's on a scoreless run just yet. Now, it very well could be a couple more games here, and we we could be saying that. Um, but at, at present, I'm not gonna say that. Um, but my big worry for that game is the counter counter. Is that a thing? Uh, when Inter get their counter opportunities. If they turn it over in those counters, they leave themselves wide open on the back and get exposed. Porto yep. can counter as well, right? So an inter-counter, they're going to have to be clinical. They have to be smart with the ball. They cannot lose the ball and turn it over and leaving their back you know, back three and, and Onana exposed because that will open those goals. You know, We're talking about you know, limiting the, the quality opportunities against Onana. Those, I think, are the, the plays that will scare me because Inter will go, you know, yeah, let's go for the counter, go for the goal, and they do some kind of silly pass, cross, you know, cross pitch or something, turn it over, and here we go. It goes the other way, and look out, you know, Porto can finish the ball. So that's my big worry in this in this in this leg here, especially you know, both 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 home and away for Inter. So we'll see. It's gonna be it's gonna be a chess match. Conte Sal versus Zaghi. I think both teams are gonna have, both managers are gonna have their teams ready for this. Conte Sal only has something up his sleeve. We've seen over the years. I mean, ask Juventus how uh, how they do against Porto, right? Um, right. Porto come to play in Europe. They do, and you got to take this team seriously, which I know Inter will. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun affair, I think, for the neutral. Uh, maybe not so much for Eduardo and the Interisti. You know, you know, clenching their fists and hoping the Inter win. But I think it's gonna be entertaining. Entertaining. <coughs> We are banging the drum for three Italian teams to reach the last eight, and we think it's very reasonable that it can happen. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. the critical game is next Wednesday when Inter host Porto. Absolutely. So, uh, Absolutely. so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, uh, previewing to uh, Thursday's games, uh, Europa League and Conference League, and let's start with uh, the Europa League. Richard Red Bull Salzburg Roma. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a Red Bull Salzburg that Milan. Uh, comfortably put aside in match day six in the group stage. Um, but in Austria, it was a little bit of a different story. I believe it ended. Was that a 1-1 draw there? Or did, did, 
Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, they uh they drew 1-1. That was the opening game of the group <laughs> stage. So um and then they yeah, so they drew that game. Uh there's there's players certainly to be concerned about. Noah Okafor is a talented striker. Uh, Nicholas Seibold is is a good playmaker out of the midfield, as is Lucas Sucic. You also have Andreas Ulmer at left back. So there's still some pieces, even though this isn't the Salzburg of the last few years. There's enough to be worried. It's all going to be coming down to how what Mourinho puts out um, yeah. lineup-wise. I think he plays a relatively strong lineup. Um, I don't know why he wouldn't. Uh, do you, so, do you feel that it's the first leg? Because if 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 Roma somehow capitulate that game, they lose like two nothing, three nothing. That he doesn't even try in the second leg. That Roma have to get a decent result for them to try in the second leg. What do you thought? What do you think? There's a possibility that he punts it, sure. Um, but I don't think that'll happen. I I think they go there and I think they go there and draw one uh, one, which sets up come to come to Olimpico and win and you go through. So. Um, and I say that because I think Roma have just, as an away team, um, it's not necessarily pretty. Even though away this year in Serie A, they've got the third best away record. Every time I say that about somebody, and then I go and look at their, then I go and look at their stats, they're actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but I think one one's reasonable. Uh, take that draw, go back to Olympico, win there, and go through is is kind of what I what I look at. Um, there, uh, Juventus against Nantes, um, two mid-table we, teams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we talked about this. I mean, if this is Juventus's path to the Champions League next season, yeah, you know, yeah, because uh, if they if they were able to, if they're able to appeal this fifteen point penalty, I think you know Martino mentioned a couple weeks ago. There's another penalty right behind it that might be coming. So, mm-hmm. um, Ludovic. Ludovic Blas is the playmaker that you got to be concerned about uh, when you watch these guys play. Uh, Moses Simon has been their long term one of the, one of their better strikers through the, uh, uh, but is out and I don't think is going to play here. Uh, Mustafa Muhammad is a striker that you got to be concerned with. Uh, you'll be con- people will be familiar with Musa Sissoko uh, yeah. in the midfield and Alvin Lafont in goal. Uh, Lafont has some Serie A experience. Um. I, but I don't think not have enough here. The bookmakers seem to agree because they've got them as a plus six fifty underdog in uh, in Turin. Uh, they also have uh, both teams to the both teams to score. The odds at no are at minus one seventy five, um, and the over two and a half is only at minus one ten. So this all tells you that. People are prepping for Juventus to win this opening leg 2-0, and I'm having a hard time disagreeing with that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's a good shot there. Um, I'll start with that game. I agree with that. I think uh, Allegri, the way that Juventus has been playing lately, that they're going to try to continue on that form. I think Juventus have much more talent than than not, not to take anything from not, but I mean, look at some of the, you look at some of the players that Juventus have right now. I mean, guys like Di Maria. Di Maria is like, you know, world class, or he was world class. He's still a fantastic player. Um, and, and, and Vlahovic and, and Kostic and all those guys, um, they should win. And I, I think Allegri is going to go for the 
the smart play is not going to go for the big, you know, open play, expansive kind of play where you know he scores three goals against Atalanta. No, we're going to see two goals at max. Uh, uh, two nothing is a good shot, I think. Two nothing is a good shot. If 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 this first leg was it not, I would probably say two one or something. But I, I think at home they should be feeling the the love there with the half filled stadium. Uh, but I, I very much agree that Juventus should win two nothing there. And then um, the Roma game, I, I agree with who said it. I think it was Kyle said it. Um, Salzburg is going to be tricky at home. Um, hopefully. Roma and Mourinho were paying attention when they played Milan, uh, and and see how well that um, Salzburg can play. They played well, obviously better at, at San Siro, um, the first the first uh, in, the, in the group stages. But I think they're very they, they can be very good at home. They're they're uh, strong home support. Um, they got some talented players. They that can get you one on one. You know, Okafor. You know, Milan Milan fans. We 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 remember him. Uh, and he's, he's just the tip of the iceberg there. There's some of the guys that you mentioned. So uh, that'll be a tricky tie, I think, with Roma. If they get away with a, a score draw, I think that's a fantastic result for them. Um, I don't know if they can win in Salzburg, but they better not lose. Um, and even if they're down, even if they lose by a goal, I think they're still in a good situation because they go back home to Roma, play their style, and get some goals there with the, with the, with the, the crowd there at the Olympico. I think they, they can overall take this le- two legs. But um, the, the, the fixture at Salzburg is going to be tricky for sure. Yep. Definitely, uh, definitely agree. Um, so I think we're all kind of even the chats in, in agreement with what we think is going to happen in these games. Let's go to the cover the conference league games. So this is where it won't be rosy for Italian. I think Fiorentina lose at Braga tomorrow. Um, I just this they're they're all they're just all over the place with their form. Yeah. Now they're going to away to a good Braga side. Um, Portuguese clubs. What's that? Those Portuguese clubs. Yeah. I just I don't see this going well uh, for La Viola. I'm actually gonna I, I, I'll give them a goal, but that's about the extent of which I'm going to do this. I think Braga win two one, yeah, and three one's probably not out of the question. Uh, and now Lazio get to host Cluj. Cluj on the back of a couple of back to back defeats in their own league, um, so they're not coming in in the greatest of form. And it's at the Olympico where Lazio have played really well and have beaten way better teams than. Uh, than Cluj, even though Lazio lost at the weekend at home to Atalanta. Uh, but I think Lazio sweep aside Cluj with relative ease. I go 3-0 for Lazio um, on Thursday. Uh, you know that Ciprian Dan is Ciprian Deach is still there at Cluj? Wow. <laughs> How wow. old is, is he? Like, is he 55? Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's pretty that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had to look that up, and I was like, "Man, maybe it's Ciprian Dadge Jr." And he's like, "No, it's the same dude." Wow. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so I, I, I think Fiorentina lose at Braga. I think Lazio win comfortably at home against Cluj. Yeah, I'm with you on on Braga Fiorentina. I, I agree. I, those Portuguese clubs at home are very good, uh, and Braga are, are no exception. I think two ones a good shot. I. I would say two nothing in that game. I think Braga is gonna. I, I, I just can't trust Fiorentina at the moment. Uh, and normally, if league form, if Cluj were doing their thing in the league, I would pick Cluj in this game. Yeah. But they've struggled lately, and that has me worried in terms of if I was a Cluj supporter. Not necessarily because a Lazio supporter. I think Lazio are going to be happy. I think Lazio need to win at least by two goals. I yeah. say this because. If Cluj find their form back, Cluj is a team that can score goals. They somehow they don't have the talent that like Lazio have, but they know how to play. They know how to attack. I mean, look what they did in, so far this season. They they put pressure on the op- opposing goal 
Um, they'll get a way, find a way to get into the second leg, especially when it's at home. Uh, Lazio don't travel well either in Europe. Uh, and and said, yeah, they, they're very good. But we've seen in Europe, they, they struggle, especially when you go to these places, uh, far yeah. off places. You're like, it, it's a daunting trip, right? So Lazio, I think, will win. Uh, and I hope it is at least two nothing, if not three nothing, like you said, uh, because they're gonna need that. They're gonna need that big advantage going to Cluj the, 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 on the second leg. Yep, yep, I agree with all of that. Um, if Fiorentina do, do lose bad tomorrow, it's going to be hard to turn that around at home. Braga, are a really good team. Yeah, Braga inexplicably uh, got bounced from the group stage in the Europa League. So, um, but. Yep. You know, we'll uh, we'll we'll see what happens with that. I just I'm not painting a I'm not painting a rosy picture for Fiorentina, but I think all of the other Serie A teams are in reasonably good shape uh, for qualifying. So uh, so we'll see if they uh, follow through with that now. Um, so those were all of that, that's our roundup on all of the European teams because we still have seven teams alive in Europe, uh, but uh, we should probably uh, put a bow on match week twenty two, Richard. Yeah, yeah, we should uh, get into that. Um, looking at some scores. Um, first off, uh, started off on what was I guess his last Friday. Uh, Milan, yeah, yeah, it was Milan kicking off the weekend. Uh, Milan, uh, as we mentioned uh, earlier, they they got the win against Torino, one nothing in that game. Uh, uh, early shutout, obviously again uh, with Mil- Milik Chow was involved in that game as well. Uh, moving on, one of the uh, entertaining games, Spezia against Empoli. Spezia kind of got off to a 2 nothing lead thanks to a red card uh, from Empoli. Uh, looked like they were going to be sitting pretty till they got their own red card. Uh, and then Empoli came roaring back, got a goal in, the, in stoppage time. Um, this ultimately ended up costing Gotti his job. He ended up getting fired. Uh, but 2-2, that game ended. Uh, not a fun game, entertaining game to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, another, another entertaining game was Lecce and Roma. Lecce score uh, early in the game. Uh, and Roma had some chances. They got a goal, made a 1-1. Uh, I think Falcone was a fantastic man of the match for me in this one. Uh, really stood on his head. I thought Lecce played well despite getting a, a barrage of shots. Uh, game ends 1-1 there. Uh, the big game, the marquee game of the weekend outside of the derby, which we'll get to. Um, Lazio hosting Atalanta. Both teams are you know vying for top four and you know, maybe trying to get into that second spot, the elusive second spot. Uh, what we saw is uh, Atalanta, they got into defensive mode and they played the counterattack game through Adam Lookman, through Hoyland uh, and company Zapacosta, who got the first goal in, the, in this game. And then uh, ultimately Hoyland got the, uh, the second goal after from uh, assist from Lookman. Uh, Atalanta, 2-0 victory. Musso, fantastic performance in that game, I thought. Uh, really stood on his head to, to save some of these chances by Lazio. Chiro Immobile back, not necessarily a good thing for Lazio. They lose in this one 2-0. Um, another entertaining game, Udinese Sassuolo. I mean, four goals in the first half. What more could you want, right? You probably want more goals in the second half. Didn't happen. Um, trading goals back and forth. Udoji got the goal scoring started early in the first half. Uh, and then we saw um, Sassuolo, both teams trading shots. I thought it'd be more goals. I, I, I got up early to watch this game. Uh, unfortunately, You're the one. Goals in the second. I was. <laughs> I was. And, and, and Sonia probably too. Watching Udinese. Sonia was up, yeah. <laughs> um, and we both got kids too, right? So that's where we're up. But, uh, yeah, the second <laughs> half didn't have any more goals. However, it was still a very entertaining game, I thought. I thought, you know, both both goalkeepers did well. Uh, teams had chances. It just the, the, the finishing, uh, the clinical finishing was gone, non-existent in that second half. And either way, entertaining 2-2 game there. Uh, Monza, 
Monza beat Bologna at, you know, t- the flying Tiago Motas uh, in Bologna. Um, Patania, man, he's uh, finding a second wind, I guess, or third wind uh, with Monza. He didn't even have a first wind. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. Uh, but he kind of slalomed through the seam. He's, he's very good. Say what you want about Patania. He's very good at holding off the opposition with the ball, with the big body, yep. right? Uh, and end up setting up, uh, I think it was Donati who got the the goal in that one. Monza, impressive win. They just, they've leapfrogged Bologna now. They're, what, ninth in the table? Uh, knocking on Europe. I don't think they're going to get it, but this is damn impressive by Monza this season. Um, but they win one nothing against Bologna. The other, Darby, uh, the Darby I mentioned, uh, Juventus hosting Fiorentina, two teams who hate each other. Um, again, Fiorentina just all over the place. I thought Juventus did very well in this game. Um, they got a scrappy goal through um, Rabio. Uh, Ter- Terciano made the save, went to VAR, crossed the line. Good goal. Um, and Juventus, that's all they would need. I thought they had more of the chances. They probably should have scored a little bit more, but uh, overall, Juventus wins that game. Uh, typical Allegri match, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, what what there was a well I'll get back to that after. Um moving on, Napoli, as we talked about getting their revenge against Cotamonese, three goals there. Uh Ossiman continues his goal, his assault on the uh Capocananieri with his 17th goal in this one. Uh Arashiele got the goal scoring started early. Uh and then uh, Elmas came off the bench and almost immediately scored a goal there. So three nothing against Cremonese. Extend their lean up top. There's now 15 points up top at the table from second place inter. Um Hellas and Salernitana, uh, relegation six pointer that Hellas pretty much controlling this game. Uh, Salernitana had a couple of chances, but it was really Hellas Verona. Um, the goal scorer, they only had one goal in this game, one off in victory, but I, Hellas looked fairly in control in this game. This ultimately also cost the job for the second time this season. Nicola, uh, Davide Nicola, uh, he gets fired and they bring on um, uh, Paulo Souza, I believe, right? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Paulo Souza coming in there. Is Paul um, Souza getting this? He's over there at Salernitana now. I believe so. I could be wrong, but I, th- I thought so, who got the job is uh, Salernitana. Uh, but Hellas win that game one nothing, uh, and then to end all everything, uh, Sampdoria against Inter, um, a game that um, lacking goals. It clearly lacked goals. Uh, there are some opportunities. Obviously, both teams had some opportunities in this one, but uh, the goals were lacking in this one, and that's uh, uh, you know. Say what you want. Stankovic got his boys fired up to you know, to play. You know, one of the top teams in the league. And um, don't look now. We a week ago, maybe it's even two weeks ago, everyone was laughing outside of the Milan camp. Hey, Milan, they're struggling. But every team pretty much fell that had to fall this week, and all of a sudden, Milan are two points back. Uh, I mean, they're right there in the, in the hunt for the for the top four, and even in the even the second place team, right? Because Inter fell as well. So um it's tied up there it's tied in the top four um i'm curious in your thoughts in, in this in this uh match week but in particular i want to draw your attention to juve and fiorentina two goals in this game uh in the second half vlahovic first taken back says offsides then it was uh who, who i forget who scored for fiorentina castrovili uh, castrovili that got taken away i think both calls were incorrect i think both should have been gone they <sighs> The rule is stupid with VAR. Obviously, with the attacker, any piece of the body is offside. The defender, it's not. It's like the torso. And so they could be even, but the torso is you know behind where the player is, and, and the guy's offside. And I think both calls are incorrect. The offside rules, which I hate. I've talked about this all the time. It drives me crazy. Uh, I think both calls are incorrect. It wouldn't have mattered. I think Juve would have won anyway. 
they would have both goals if they had they counted. But uh, yeah, this continues to drive me crazy. I'm curious in your thoughts. So it was body parts that don't impact the offside position is what you're what you're saying. Yeah. So for a defender, his arm could be stuck out like this, but they would only cut the torso. That's where the line is. Okay. And if the attacker anything was over the over that. They count that as the, the, the front. So it, both players could be like this. The arm's the exact same way. The, the attacker will be offsides. It's stupid. Okay. Well, I mean, the, 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 I mean, we hate it, but they were interpreted in their strictest definitions. And they I call guess it the same way for both teams, so yeah. I guess it's fair. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, and that probably is the best way I can uh, react to all of that. So. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, I, I didn't, uh, you know, when I looked at it, I, I didn't raise as much of a stink because I've seen it get called. I think it's been called, it's been getting called like that all season. I know it just so. drives me every time I see it. I'm like, Oh, I hate this. <laughs> and you're not, you're not, you're not an easily aggravated man either. No, so. no. <laughs> it's the stupid things that aggravate me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> things that shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I want to introduce to I want to introduce everybody to uh, the new player that we're touting here at Serie A. Sit down, uh, Cyril Ngonj. Ngonj, yeah, yeah, dynamic player. He does not feel like a Hellas Verona player. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, of a couple years ago, maybe, but not. Yeah, no, definitely not. Not right now. Yeah, but uh, great back, scouting maybe. by them. They brought him in from Groningen. He was relatively prolific in his time there. Um, and, and, and scored to, and scored here. I think he scored in the previous game too, for Hellas been on us. So he's got, right. he's, he's become a creative part of what they're doing. Um, and then the other comment that they made Darko Lazovic in this 10 role, uh, for Hellas Verona has been a big, big part of why they're having the success that they're having. And then you've Finally. got decent wingback play from Doig and, and Faraoni. Um, it's, no, is it, or is it to Pauli? I always get those two mixed up. Help me out here. It was Faraoni, wasn't it? I don't remember. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> this is driving me nuts. Uh, Chat's going to probably tell me. Um, uh, see, he's not even in the top 10 players on my list here. That's crazy. Uh, where are you? How are you? Okay, so... Davidovich. Faraoni. I was right. I was right. Was it? it was, was Faraoni. Okay. Yeah, DePauli's DePauli's at uh, Sampdoria, I think, still. So no, he was he played in this game, DePauli. DePauli? Yeah. Get out of here. Where is he? I can. He played on the right side. Yeah, he did. What the hell is wrong with me? Yeah, they're both on the same team. <laughs> Shows you how much I know about Hellas uh, I just you know They've been in the when, relegation season relegation well, spot all season, like give him a break. Well, here's the thing: when you've got Lasovic playing so well, and you've got this Ngonji kid who's becoming, who's starting to become a little bit of a revelation that I think is going to be really good. You just forget everybody else that's out there. Yeah. Um, hmm. So, mm-hmm. uh, Coppola, uh, young, useful defender too for them. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, watch out for him. Uh, so, but we said this. We, we said we've said this for the last few weeks, Richard. We said you know that Hellas Verona is the most likely to come out of this, and Spezia it's going to be at Spezia's expense, and it's trending that way. Yep. Um, Spezia finally found some goals. Unfortunately, they couldn't keep Empoli out enough. Uh, hmm. And your, to your point, Luca Gotti lost his job. Um, Salani Tanasak Nikola, and you are right. It is Paulo Souza taking over. 
we'll see what impact he can have. Now, Paulo Souza, I don't know if he's done much with three man defenses. And yeah. Salernitana have been that way. Uh, under Nicola uh, and reunion with Fazio. Yeah. Yeah. You've got that. You've got that going for them. Um, although I think, I think Dylan Braun's their best defender uh, yeah, yeah, over yeah. there at Salernitana. Um, yeah. But it's just, uh, we'll see what he can do. Um, Cause I don't think they're safe anymore either. I mean, Verona's climbing out of this and they're only two back of Spezia, four back of Salernitana. I think Sassuolo is going to get safe as we go, as will Fiorentina. I think Lecce is just buoyed by their, their home form. And here they go again. And this time it's Roma. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just giving everybody evidence really, really hard to win there. Um, you know, not a lot of teams have been able to go and do that. So, yeah. um, and I still don't, I, I think Cremonese's finished. I, I still refuse to drop Sampdoria yet. Yeah, it's still a big ask at 11 points. Okay, 10 points behind Salernitana, who they would probably have to overcome. You know, if you're, if you're dropping Spezia into this space yeah. and you're getting Verona out of there. Um, and uh, the madness of Calcio is always entertaining. Did Rossi getting sacked by Spal after only three months? Yeah, I saw I saw that too. So, because I think that the there's enough decent talent there at Sampdoria, and if Stankovic has them playing better, they played bravely against Inter. They had to they they played the way they had to play, you know, to get something out of that game against Inter. Um. And, uh, you know, to get a point now, they're going to have to figure out how to score goals here soon if they're going to get out of it. But the, the players are there. Um, but, I, you know, I would probably take Salernitana's team players over Sampdoria's players if I'm pushed to pick a squad, though, um, at the moment. Wouldn't you? Yeah. I'd rather have Bulaidia over anybody that Sampdoria is playing up front right now. Yeah, I really like that kid. He's gonna, um, I say kid because he's younger than me, but um, yep. he's definitely a man. And uh, yeah, he's a he's a fantastic player. Yep. So yeah, I'd rather have Brown over any of the defenders that Sampdoria have. I'd rather have Ocho over Aldero, just narrowly, but Aldero because Aldero has been pretty good. Yeah, he was really good here against Inter. Um, and then here we come back with Inter an environment where they have a lot of the ball and can't create. Yeah. Um, Well, they can, they took 25 shots. They took five on target, but how many of those chances were you really scared by? Yeah. So this is a pretty damning thing. And we, we said it, you said, how do you make Inter uncomfortable? You give them the ball. So we'll see what Udinese does next week. Yeah. Oh, do you think uh, Sotil sets them up defensively? If he's smart, he should. <clears throat> I know they want yeah. to have to play the ball and play, you know play beautiful, but they should play defensively. Let Inter have the ball, make them uncomfortable, and hit them on the counterattack. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Atalanta, great performance from them here at Lazio, and, and probably why we can't totally take Lazio seri- seriously in this conversation for top four. You wanted to come back and ta- have this top four discussion, um, you know. It's it's still wide open. It's still five teams playing for three spots. Napoli are going to win this title, yeah. um, but 
they all have their qualities and they all have their flaws at the same time. You know, Inter in games where they're possession dominant can't play, you know, for whatever reason, it doesn't work as well for them. Atalanta have found a new way to play. They're not real. They're not relying on high positioned technicians like they had with Ilicic and Malinovsky anymore. Now they're going with pace. Now they're going with guys like Lutman who can get behind you and Rasmus Hoyland who can score the goals. And boy, but Rasmus they're not Hoyland. flexible in their they're not flexible in their in their formation. And so either they're all defensive or all attack and they, they can't find a, a healthy mix between the two. You know do they need to though? I mean because I, I mean when they play the big teams they have to find like maybe not Lazio but you play you know one of the bigger teams um they they need to find if if you know the bigger teams will, will find out your your strengths and and minimize it and force you to play another way. And in game, you need to be able to adapt, which a lot of the managers, you know, in Serie A, Spalletti, uh, Pioli, Zaghi, they, they can do that. Okay, uh, Gasparini's team, I don't think they can. Okay, I can, I can, I can accept that. But I think they were like more, you know, they were wider and expansive and and yeah. and used the wing backs and things like that. Now they've yeah. gone to to being a little more compact, trying to protect Musa more. Um, and then just hitting you on the break, a beautiful counterattacking goal. Uh, Lookman to Hoyland. It didn't make my top five, but it's worth noting. You see um, Hoyland's play that he got stopped, but he went on like uh, Lookman fed him for a breakaway and he just balled past two players. He's got yep. speed. He's got, yeah, speed. he does. Deceptive, too. Uh-huh. Deceptive. So, um, we think Milan's, Milan's kind of climbing out of this a little bit with the changes that they've made. We, Roma's just been steady. Yeah. You know, that's probably the best way to describe them. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to blast them for coming up short at, uh, at Lecce because that's, you know, Milan drew there. I think Lazio lost there. Um, you know, it's just a fixture that's been very difficult on the, on the big teams. Um, even in their defeat at Napoli, they played pretty well. They, they pushed Napoli to, I think you cut that game four minutes short and they're walking out of there with a point. Um, so I think right now it's, it's, I think inter grab a champions league place. I really want to believe that Milan will grab a champions league place at the end of this, that they're going to come, come around and they're going to come good. They'll recover everybody. Um, and, and get themselves back in the ascendancy. And then I honestly think the last fourth spot is down to Roma or uh, Atalanta. Yeah. And at I the think- beginning of the season, I predicted Roma to finish top four. So I'll just go with that. Um, I have enough of a belief or a theory that what Atalanta is doing, as impressive as it's been this season and the changes that Gasparini made, likely to be found out down the stretch of the season so yeah. there you have it okay. Napoli win it and then Inter Milan Roma and then whatever order it doesn't matter so I, but I I'm think, still I'm still sticking with that as my top four um I I think <clears throat> one thing I differ is I, I would go probably a lot over Roma uh, I, I feel like I could trust Atalanta just a little bit more over Roma just because they got guys like Lukman and Hoyland uh, who've been more clinical than, than Roma's best guys up top. Though not to say they're, you know, uh, Tammy Abraham and, and Dybala haven't been sensational. They have. But um, at the moment, the way uh, Gasparini's kind of found ways to be successful in this new style, 
Uh, I got them just slightly over Roma, but uh, I'm not going to hold Milan to not finish second at this point. I mean, they're only three points back. As bad as they played, they, a big stretch that they had, it's looking yeah. like they may be coming out. Uh, and history with Pioli will tell you that when he gets out of the ruts, they're out of the ruts for good, for a good while. Right. A good while. And so, you know, none of these teams, none of the top seven, top six are playing consistent at all. Right. And, I mean, then that's another thing. That's another thing with Napoli. Why Napoli is just going to continue to run away with this because yeah. Yeah. all of these other teams are just going to cannibalize each other. And Milan don't have to play Inter again, right? They can't be Inter for the life of them, but they don't have to play them again. So they don't have to right. worry about that. Uh, Inter got some big games up ahead as well. Both teams do, right? But uh, yeah, I think Inter, Milan, and Atalanta just ever edges Roma out of this. And Lazio again okay. sitting out looking not pretty. Okay. Well, we're different. So we're different on the fourth team. Yeah. So. Okay, I, I'm fine with that, and we 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 consign Lazio back to the Europa League, and um, assuming that Juventus don't get this points penalty taken care of, yeah. I mean they've made a charge here. I think they get seventh and go end up being the Conference League team. Yeah, imagine they finish so. second somehow <laughs> if they get the points back. I mean, you know. Oh, I mean, if they get the points, I mean, if you gave them the points now, they'd be sitting on 44 tied with Inter. Imagine so. they win Europa League and, and get into Champions League next year. I don't think it's going to happen. There's too many good teams, but it's, anything is possible, right? Yep. But that would be something. How they play tomorrow against Nantes is going to be very telling about their yeah. prospects and their ambition for Europa League. Yeah. I personally think, I mean, this is your path back to the Champions League. Yep. Go and try and take it from them. So, <clears throat> and we'll see... Uh, We'll see if they we'll see if they do exactly that. So yeah, yeah. Goals of the week. Um, I, the two goals that stood out for me. I mean, really, Zapacosta, his goal, uh, the first goal of the game uh, against Lazio was really nice, uh, and as well as Verde. Verde had a sensational strike from distance uh, outside the box that went top corner uh, against um, who was it? Uh, Vicario. And Vicario's yep. not an easy goalkeeper to beat. So that was my those are my top two uh, at least. Okay, I ended up doing five. I'll go. Verde, Daniele Verde was my goal of the week. Uh, the, the goal from distance uh, for Spezia, and then Zapacosta was second. Uh, the curler against Lazio. Uh, third for me was uh, Kvaratskhelia's goal for Napoli against Cremonese. The individual effort to and then find the uh, find the space. Uh, fourth for me was the goal by Cyril Ngonja. Uh, yeah. and then fifth for me was uh, Emmanuel Vignato's equalizer for. Empoli mm-hmm. against Spezia. So. Shout out to Musso and Falcone. Big games for them, for respectively, for Atalanta and uh, Lecce. Agreed. Agreed. So we've rounded it all up. So we should now just finish up with the world's most popular hashtag game. It's time for who won Calcio Twitter. Richard, take it away. All right. Yes. Uh, who won Calcio Twitter? Back in our lives again for the next another week. Um. That is annoying to me. Sorry, I had music going in the background, so it was driving me crazy. Uh, moving on. Uh, first, Napolinissimo. Again, uh, not lo- another contribution every week. Uh, you love this guy. Uh, Icardi, when Zaniolo tries to steal an Istanbul wound from him, now that Zaniolo is now in, in Turkey. Yeah, 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 Don't yeah. fucking try any of that shit, because yeah. I've been here before. I'm a professional. <laughs> this is what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, fucking try it. Don't fucking try it. I'm a professional. This is what I do. <laughs> oh man okay at j mancini eight be careful out there everyone i had two roma tickets in my car 
and someone broke in and left four more. <laughs> but a tss. oh, did that yeah. really happen to his car? No, no, that's how many people have been doing this for a while. It's someone, something happened to somebody, but not Jerry. Oh, okay, got it. <clears throat> all right. Um, Nima pinging us on this one. It's from um, <laughs> Don Tico Interlover, and it's uh, so it's. Milan, Napoli, Serie A, Juventus, Inter, all outside the wall, and the poorest team in EPL, which is Fulham, says uh, they're sitting pretty. Milan's got, <laughs> the Serie A teams have no money; they're poor, and the poorest team is living in luxury. So, sad <laughs> but true. Clever, clever, and there's a little dig on our inability to attract new players here in January for the most part. At Henry Bell Calcio, uh, let's hope ADL isn't watching it. San Rimo 23. This could be the next concept kit for Napoli in Serie A English. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, traumatizing, God. but it could happen. It could happen. All right. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't a fan of these Valentine's Day special kits that Napoli broke out for uh, Sunday. Me neither. A little homage to Rolling Stones, I guess, with the lips, but nah, yeah, not, not for me. Yeah. Um, from Burkamp and Burkamp. Lee Mason has taken more points off Arsenal than any team in the Premier League this season. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> All right. I like that. I like that. Okay. Uh, let's see. Moving on at the Mark Gordon. Two assists yesterday for Venezia's Joel Poyan Possible, who was substituted before rewarding himself with a pint from the stadium bar. Yeah. Love to see that. <laughs> that's the way to do it, man. That's where you get two goals. Go get go get a beer from the bar and then uh, enjoy the rest of the game. Love that. Yeah. I like that. I yeah. like that. That's uh, hey. I think that's more for the player. Yes, that goes for the player. Joel yeah. Poyon Paulo wins Kelcher. Our friend had been uh, Joel. We're gonna have to. Uh, we've got his hashtag. So that's right. Make him a right. winner, possibly. Uh, Sanso- Napoli Sansone. Huge win for Juventus FC, who now sit at level on points with Monza and Bologna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not anymore, but they did. At Chiesa di Totti, Mourinho looking at his options on the bench. <laughs> ah! home, writhing in pain from his ankle injury. Uh, that's good. All right. Uh, Napolinismo again. It's uh, Conte every year in the Champions League. Sometimes you got to walk away and say, fuck it, I try. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and then he's uh, back again. <laughs> Kulishevsky against Milan. <laughs> With a Juventus jersey on. Yep. Yeah, Juve Kulishevsky was a little unflattering, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, one more. It's from AJ Fino Alafine. Breaking news. Following the Barcelona match-fixing scandal, Inter have <clears throat> submitted an appeal to be awarded the 15-16 Champions League title when they didn't qualify. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I'm sorry. Crazy. I'm sorry. I'm going. I'm going for uh, Joel Poyan Paulo. Yeah, the player as our will, winner of Cal- as our yeah. winner of Calcio Twitter this week. I agree. You're gonna go get a beer after uh, two goals in game. Go for it. Yeah, that's a winner for me. Yeah, that's awesome. All that's right. Awesome. So- <laughs> that's great. Uh, thank you, Mark Gordon, for pointing this to us. You get the assist, but uh, yes, yeah, as definitely uh, Poyan Paulo is gonna get the win in this one. So. While you do that, uh, I look ahead to next week's games, some big games on the marquee. Um, it may look not like a marquee, but I think Sassuolo Napoli could be an entertaining game, especially if, if Sassuolo continue the fine form that they, we've seen lately from them, uh, especially in the goal department. It could be a high-scoring game. 
certainly from Napoli side, but maybe at Sassuolo as well. Uh, also, it is the Berlusconi Bunga Bunga Party Derby. Uh, Monza hosting Milan. It should be an interesting game. Uh, if nothing else, you're going to see great Tifos uh, honoring uh, Berlus- uh, Berlusconi from the traveling fans of Milan. Inter Udinese. That's going to be an entertaining game. Um, we talked about it. What is what is um, Sotil going to do with his team? How is he going to line up against Inter? Is he going to give them the ball or is he going to play go after them? I could tell a lot about how this game ends. Uh, Inter, you would think, be the favorites in this one. They are the favorites in this one. But uh, don't be surprised if Udinese shocks some people here. Uh, and then also looking at some of these games, um, that's, that's really it for me for, in terms of – you're talking about this up. week's uh, the, this weekend's games. Yeah, we have Napoli yeah. at Sassuolo. I am expecting Napoli to hold serve there. Sassuolo starting to play a little bit better, but I, I you know, I, I don't think the defending is there for Sassuolo to be able to hold them. Uh, I think the Milan Monza game is very intriguing. Um, uh, Monza has been playing better. They've been finding ways to win and get points. This might be a step too far for them if Milan are are starting to play and, and starting to gain a little bit of confidence with the system that they're playing. Um, and to your point, yeah, Inter Udinese is going to be interesting. Is an interesting watch as well. Um, so uh, that will uh, that will certainly be um, interesting too. And then Roma hosting Hellas Verona there late on Sunday. Just for can Hellas Verona continue to put together points? Can they catch yeah. Roma making the trip back from Austria and, and, and snatch a point at the Olimpico? Uh, should be compelling as well. So that's what I've got. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but we will put a bow on this edition of Syria Sit Down. Uh, anything else, Richard? Um, no, no. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, and Ollie, I missed you, buddy. Um, missed the Milan Horror Month. That's probably that's what it is, Ollie. You were working the entire month of January, and Milan started losing. Stop working. <laughs> Uh, we know who to blame now. We know who to blame now. Yes, we do. Okay. Uh, so, Serie uh, Sit Down, we have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can also catch us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Uh, wherever there are podcasts, uh, there is Serie Sit Down. Uh, at FTC underscore 21 is where you can find me. At R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N it is where you can find Richard. At Serie Sit Down. On Twitter, on Instagram, any thoughts, comments, questions, uh, hit us up there. Who won Calcha Twitter nominations? Just keep those on Twitter. Um, uh, hashtag who won Calcho Twitter, all one word when you're making a nomination. Uh, so that we can keep it clean. Um, keep it clean. Keep it fun. Uh, anything that we deem offensive, we're not going to read. Uh, so just to... Uh, make sure that you're aware of that. So uh, you can also find us on Facebook too, although we're rarely there these days. Uh, so, and then here on the YouTube channel, uh, if you're watching us for the first time, um, uh, Dino's joining us, Milan's defense and all salad, Tom. Of course, yes, absolutely. Um, if you are watching this for the first time, please uh, drop a like if you enjoyed the content here. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Uh, and hit that notification bell so this way you can be alerted whenever we go live or whenever we have a video drop because we will have video drops. Uh, so that is all the rundown. Uh, next Wednesday night after Inter and Napoli have played their Champions League game. Sound good to you, Richard? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's do next Wednesday night again. So 
we will uh, catch you guys then. Uh, until then, uh, and chat, thank you all very, very much. Great job keeping it lively. We appreciate it. Uh, for Richard, I'm Frank. As always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao.